Today on Life Sauce, we start a three-part series about building sexual self-esteem. In today's episode, we start with knowing yourself so that you can enjoy sex like you never have before. Today, you're going to learn how to build your own sex esteem machine. I'm Dr. Christy Wise, and this is Life Sauce. Dr. Wise, episode one in our three-part series about sexual self-esteem. Today, we're going to cover four elements of that. But before we get started, you picked this topic because obviously there must be a problem out there with sexual self-esteem. What's going on out there? Well, I notice that, and maybe it's, you know, this age of social media and you know a difference in connection in terms of how people are connecting. You know, when you and I were young, we did it on the playground, or we did it with our friends, or you know what I mean, whatever. Um, I, <laughs> you've read into my life story. <laughs> you know, and, and so I'm wondering if the issue is that um, because there's not as much social interaction, that are, are people not learning how to build that self-esteem? You know, because we used to use our friends for feedback. And so I think because things are online so much, maybe, um, they're not building the confidence, you know, and, and because it's kind of the research that they're doing is all on Google or YouTube or so I feel like there's a lack of self-esteem and it seems to come up a lot in my sessions lately. What, why do we need sexual self-esteem? Well, I think that just like our regular self-esteem, it allows us to live a different kind of life. It allows us to... Um, enjoy things that we wouldn't normally. For instance, my own self-esteem, if you, or our self-esteem, if we have a good self-esteem, we're willing to take risks. We go to college, we try new careers, we, you know, we do things that if we had poor self-esteem, we wouldn't do. That's the same with sexual self-esteem. It allows us to enjoy things that we wouldn't otherwise enjoy. Got it. Okay, so let's start with number one. Okay. Paying attention to how your inner critic fucks with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Explain what that means. So we all have that inner critic, you know what I mean? If you've ever had the experience of going and sitting on the beach and looking around, it's immediately you start comparing your body to other people's bodies. Most girls know that you dig a hole in the sand so that your ass sinks in so it doesn't look so spread. Anyway, there's a whole technique to looking good at the beach. That's besides the point. I think the idea here is that that inner monologue fucks with us so much. And during sex or intimacy, or approaching something that's like a sexual encounter, that inner voice is so loud. So yeah, it fucks with us. So because of that, are people holding back when they're having sex and not enjoying it to its fullest? Absolutely. In every aspect of the word, whether it's giving or receiving, you know, I have a good portion of my female clients that have never had orgasms. It's because they can't get past that critic. Or, you know what I mean? Because they're thinking, oh my God, is he feeling my fat right now? Or is he feeling like, you know, and she's not in her body. She's more in her head. And the same thing with a man, you know, where it's like, you know, there's a comedian that talks about uh, following up, uh, you know, being the next boyfriend after, you know, she was dating a Navy SEAL. <laughs> and, and the discomfort of feeling like he had to follow that. So, you know, that's, that's what I mean about fucking with your head. When your clients come in and that's the problem, I don't think they say we have low sexual self-esteem. Right. What are they telling you and how are you diagnosing that? Yeah, so they're, 
they're saying things like, I don't know, she says that I'm big enough, but, you know, I feel like she's just being nice. Or he says he likes my body, but I know that what he's attracted to is so-and-so on Instagram. Do you know, like they're showing signs of not feeling like they're good enough. You know, so that's, that's how, that's where it starts. And then I start to inquire if there are other areas, you know, experimenting, do you know your own body? You know, like I, I actually came across somebody, uh, um, how old is he? Probably in his mid twenties who said he had never masturbated before. That's rare for a 20 something year old, anybody <laughs> ever, <laughs> you know what I mean? But mostly because there was shame and discomfort and he felt like, you know, that when the time is right and he has sex, so he's not even exploring his own body, you know? And so I feel like that also comes with having a strong sexual self-esteem. So at least in this first uh, part of the episode, you, you were talking about people who have some body image problems mm -hmm. and maybe worse, maybe body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. uh, it isn't so easy to change your body. Mm -mm. Uh, you can lose weight, you can gain weight, but you're not going to increase the size of your penis or the tightness of your vagina. Yep. Um, so how do you counsel these people? Well, that's that the kind of owning your own humanity is the first step. Like like you said, we're not your penis isn't going to suddenly grow bigger unless you're you know there's some kind of breakthrough that we have in science. But, but again, that's besides the point. So owning the stuff that doesn't work for us but enhancing the stuff that does. If you like your flat tummy, but you don't like your wide ass, then you know that when you're presenting yourself that it feels good to show your tummy. Do you know what I mean? So like, I think that we have to enhance the things that we really enjoy and like, while we kind of own the things that are just human. Right, we don't want to cloak those things that you may think are imperfect. Right. Um, because that's false. Yes. Um, so, precisely, yeah. how are you counseling right. them? What are you telling them that's going to make the difference in their yeah. sexual life? Okay, so let's, let's talk about a common one is a man not feeling like his penis is large enough. You know, it's not large enough, it's not thick enough, it's all these things. But if you suddenly feel like you're very effective at giving oral, if you're very effective at foreplay, if you feel really good about, you know, seducing, you've got all these other strengths that kind of weigh your concerns of your penis. Because hoping that she's going to reassure you, or your partner's going to reassure you, is not the right direction. You can imagine the minute they break up or there's a big fight that there's going to be a dig then, you know, a cruel dig about the size of his penis if she gets mean. You know what I mean? And if he's putting all of his eggs in that basket, you know, so I think that really becoming proficient at all the other areas that you feel really good about takes some of the pressure off if your penis is good enough. Um, let's go to number two. So okay. we've, we understand that, that um, a lot of people have body image problems. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily going to be able to change that. But you have to live with it. You yeah. have to figure out a way within your own... Um, relationship as complex as that may be to get over it. But of course, I think we know that's not something you change just by you as a counselor saying, don't do that. Right. Um, so all of these things that we're going to be talking about today, sort of long haul investments in retraining your brain a little mm -hmm. bit to be happy with where you are in yeah. your 
a relationship. So number two is educate yourself. Yeah. How do you go about that? Okay, so when I say educate yourself, I don't mean like regular sex ed that we all did where, you know, you learn about um, your, your period and you learn about, you know, STDs. And I'm talking about educating yourself on on your own body, educating yourself on intimacy. So um, I start with, like, you know, first w watch your source. Again, because we're online, a lot of people are Googling, a lot of people are, you know, looking things up. And if you're in Texas or some other state that, you know, doesn't um, look at certain sex acts in a very pleasant way, they, they language it so it has shame. So when I say educate yourself, you go online, you look for a reputable source, and, and immediately if it causes shame or discomfort, then you need to go someplace else for that education. Usually if there's levity, if there's, you know, like if it's normalized and it's healthy, then, and it feels right, then you're looking in the right place. So what you're saying in short is you've got to get people to the point that they realize there really aren't boundaries. You know, obviously in the extreme there are some people aren't into torture or pain mm -hmm. or body fluids and that sort of thing. But um, they've got to be able to uh, get past that. And so I would think that in order to do that, you need the help of your partner. Yes. So how do you bring your partner into all that when you're looking at these uh, bits of so-called sex education, mm -hmm. should you be doing it together? Well, you can do it together, but I, I highly recommend that you also do it just for yourself. Because again, I don't want it reliant upon that partner because then all of a sudden if something happens with that partner, there's fear of it going too. So I'd like to see people kind of do this on their own first and then they can incorporate their partner. Um, the second thing is I want them to know it takes time. You know, you said something beautiful, retraining your brain. Yes, we have to because it's, you know, we want to do it and we want immediate gratification. We want to be good at it. But there's nothing that we do that we learn that quickly. What do they say that you have to do something like 10,000 times or something like that before you can master it, right? So if I said, okay, try something, try masturbating 10,000 times or, you know, trying something, of course. So we need to give it time. That's the other thing is I feel like people get very impatient. People who have these problems in the first place, um, they, they start in a in a uh, place of potential judgment. And I would think that if they're trying to hide body parts or other things or holding back in their sexual encounters, that they're afraid of being judged. So if that's the case, they're going to be afraid to talk to their partner. Yeah about these things too. So how would you suggest that someone begin that conversation with his or her partner? Well, they first have to get themselves, I call it sex ready. Do you know that's the feeling like you're in the place, you're wearing your pretty underwear, you've groomed, you've, you feel sexy, so that when you're having these conversations, when you're opening up this conversation with your partner, that it you feel mentally in that place. You know, you're not wearing sweatpants and feeling frumpy and all that other stuff. The other is that there's a big difference between a dialogue and a debate. Do you know what I mean? So a dialogue means it's going to move us forward in some way. That we don't have to agree on what we're learning or what we're trying, but a dialogue means that we can at least 
open up the conversations. A debate means someone's going to win and someone's going to lose, especially if there's shame or discomfort or somebody wants to explore something. So we got to really pay attention to the difference there in that communication when you're opening it up with somebody. So how shall the dialogue begin? What does that sound like? It sounds like, um, honey, I... I love our time together. I feel like I can be better. I've, there's so much I want to learn about me, about you. Would you be comfortable with me opening up a conversation about all the different things I want to learn and you can tell me about what you want to learn? And your partner is going to go, oh, yeah, okay, like a little nervously, like, you know, yeah, what do you want to learn? Like, you know, you tell me first. Well, I'd like to learn how to make you orgasm more effectively or for me to have multiple orgasms or, and of course she's probably going to go, okay, that's a good thing to learn. I'll support you in that. Do you know what I mean? I want to feel more comfortable with my body. Well, so do I. Well, then let's do that together. How about we go and we join the gym together and we, you know what I mean? We do a photo shoot, a boudoir photo shoot together. There's a thousand things that we can do to start initiating that level of comfort together. So the husband or partner should never say, I don't have a problem with your fat ass. That's prob probably not the way to go. That's right. Well, this is the most. This is the most frustrating when, you know, both people like after COVID, everyone gained weight, or most people gained weight, and even though one person knows that they've gained weight, that they're judgy of their partner. Well, you know, she's kind of gotten wide, you know, or he's gotten his belly. It makes his penis feel smaller. Like you know, they get very judgy of each other. Instead of it being like, look, I, you might be fit, but I need to work on this. I'd feel better about myself. I'd love your support in that. Well, of, of those that you counseled, who, who seems to have um, the, the biggest problems? Is it the, the, the man or the woman? Uh, like judging, you mean? Or who, who opening this conversation? Who has body image oh, problems? Women, women are more open about it. Men do too. Uh, they just, it, it doesn't feel as acceptable oftentimes for them to say it. You know, they'll say it under their breath if they're with their partner. Like, oh, I've gotten a little too myself, so don't worry. Like, you know, and she's going, I know you think I'm fat. I know you think I'm, you know, so she's, she's kind of been socialized to talk about it a little bit more comfortably than he does. It takes a lot for him to turn to her and say, I just got to know, is my penis large enough for you? Am I doing it right? You know, and then, and even if he's not, there's discomfort in her going, Oh no, you're fine. Fine. You know, you know, there's kind of like a, it's hard to turn to your partner and go, well, you could kind of be better at this. Oftentimes it'll be a passive aggressive conversation. Like, well, we used to do foreplay, but now we're not doing that anymore. You know, like sort of those kinds of conversations. Is this sometimes a question of just learning new positions, new techniques that compensate for the body image problems you might be having? Yeah, it does. It helps. Um, but the body image is not, I mean, like once you've been with a partner and you start to feel comfortable and it's usually not as big of a problem. There are, are other things like the idea of even just introducing lube becomes uncomfortable for couples because she's afraid he interprets it. Like he thinks I'm not aroused if I'm not wet, like I used to be, but bodies change. And with our age, things change, do you know? And if he wants to overperform and you're having sex for two hours, she's going to want lube, <laughs> she, you know what I mean? Or she's not going to be able to sit at her desk tomorrow, <laughs> do you know? So um, some basic things like that, yes, positions, absolutely. And I say, I mean, you know my theory on this, I'm like, you can't hate it if you haven't tried it yet. Like, 
Try it just once or twice and then decide if it's something that you're not interested in, you know? <laughs> We've talked about this on, on previous episodes, and, and, and that has to do with, with introducing toys mm-hmm. to the relationship. Yep. And, and my, my guess is that if, if people have very profound body image problems and they're having a hard time getting over that, you should pardon the expression, hump, Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they want to please their partner. Mm-hmm. So is that a time in which they should be introducing toys into the relationship? Absolutely. Toys, uh, sharing about your fantasies. You know, if there's something that feels like it eases the discomfort of other issues, body image issues, for like for instance, a lot of women worry about their odor, their smell. That comes up a lot too. Like I want oral sex, but I'm so uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah then let's get in the jacuzzi. Let's go get in the shower. Let's, let's do things that will ease that. Do you know what I mean? If he, if he doesn't feel confident with foreplay, introducing a vibrator is fantastic. Do you know? So we're offsetting a little bit of that, but I got to tell you, and we will talk about this a little bit uh, further on into these, um, these suggestions, but you becoming your best self as hokey as that sounds is really important. You know, if what it is is that you feel a little chubby, then you kind of have to honor yourself and the relationship by working out. Do you know? I feel like it's a matter of respect for yourself and for your partner. Some people are well past that, though. And mm-hmm. what has been your uh, conclusions based on follow up with those you counsel mm-hmm. a month, six months down the road? Well, it usually feels like because it takes time that there's a good outcome, right? Because they're like, wow, at first we felt weird about it, but I don't know, after a few weeks, we both got into it. So the outcome is very good. The same thing with the honoring and respecting yourself enough to take care of your body. Generally, I mean, people want to feel good, you know? And for those who are like, I'm the way I am, and this is the way we are, and we're totally okay with it, then like mazel tov then enjoy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Then it's like, great. As long as I, as long as it's not inhibiting you in some way, if you're, you know, you can't have sex as long as you're winded, or if she doesn't want to be on top because she's uncomfortable about how her belly looks, or then it inhibits things. Then we need to have conversations about it. So there are obviously some body image problems that are just so profound that people are never going to get over them. I'm talking about the when when one person has a problem with his or her partner's mm-hmm. big ass, big yeah. belly, whatever the hell that is, mm-hmm. and they just get get past it, he can't change. Is there a remedy there for them? Well, there is. It's you know, well, I mean, it depends on the people. Let me let me rephrase that because you know, different cultures, different religions, different. It depends so much about their history and their values and stuff like that. For some, that is so far removed from their depth of love and loyalty and family and all those other fabulous things that a healthy relationship bring, that's just minor. But for other people who, for instance, don't, you know, worry about all those other things, but they are really, really turned on by a certain look, then it becomes, it inhibits things in a really large way. Then it's kind of like, why do you, why, then why, why not communicate as it was going? Why wait for her ass to get that big before you're saying, ooh, honey, let's go work out? Is that the point at which some people just, some couples just stop having sex altogether? Yeah, absolutely. 
And how do they get that back? Oh, well, when there's no sex or when the sex is bad, it, it negatively impacts so many other areas of the relationship, right? Because people start to mm, wonder about trust and loyalty and, you know, are you being honest with me? Or, you know, do you not feel that I'm, that I walk on water? You know, there's, it, it puts into question so many things for people. And I'm not saying just going through a bad stint because we all, you know, we all ebb and flow with our sex lives. I'm saying when there's, when it feels dead and neither one, neither couple, person in the couple is doing anything about it. So let's assume I'm a guy with a big self-esteem problem. Mm-hmm. And I do want to change. I do want to make some improvements and mm-hmm. build my relationship and make it stronger. What's my first step? The first step is that we have to, and it sounds hokey and I hate this, but we have to look inside. We do. I mean, we really have to. People rely too much on their partner to validate, to feel good. And it puts a lot of pressure on the partner. It puts a lot of strain on the relationship. So there has to be some self-awareness about what works for you and what doesn't. And there are things that we can't change. Like as we age, I always talk about loose skin. It pisses me off. It just infuriates me, you know. And there's unless something magical happens in my lifetime, that's just what happens when we age. There are some things we can't change. So, you know, being with a like-minded partner helps. You know, if I were to date a 24-year-old guy, 26-year-old guy who doesn't have loose skin, I would probably feel more self-conscious about it. However, dating my age or if I'm smart, a little bit older, so that makes me feel a little bit better about my loose skin, then we're like-minded that way. We're both going through it together. It's like trauma bonding. (laughs) One of the great things about being a a woman is that women um, have their friends, and most times they're pretty open about Mm -hmm. the problems they're having in their relationships, and they have an outlet. They have people to talk to, and they get feedback. Guys are very bad at that. what do those conversations sound like? Yeah. Never having been in one of those myself, <laughs> You've you never as done a that? woman, Dr. No. Christie, That's right. tell no. me what uh, it sounds like when you're gabbing with your girlfriends. Yeah, it does. As a matter of fact, we just had this conversation about Kegels because my son Jacob sent me a podcast about uh, women that do too many Kegels that they can no longer urinate. That seems really far-fetched to me, but I don't know. Um, but the importance of Kegels, and we're talking about aging and jump roping and peeing on yourself after you've had kids, and it's horrible, right? But Kegels help with that, and it helps with arousal too. So my friends and I will talk about really personal things, really personal things. And we're very comfortable, especially my friends, you know, I kind of, it's hard not to, for me to talk about some of this stuff. But for guys, you're right. That, that's part of why we're talking about this today because they don't have that same outlet, which is tragic, you know, um, and that's why it shows up in my office. Let's move on to number okay. three. Yep. Be curious about your body and sexual preference. What does that mean? Yeah, so, you know, we, we, we know, at least if you've had basic sex education, that we all have the same parts. The thing is, though, they're not the same. Everybody's bar, par, uh, body is like a fingerprint. You know, it's, there's no one way to go about it. So knowing your body enough to say, this is, this is the way my body functions. It takes me this long to build arousal. It takes me this, this is how I can multi-orgasm. I need you to do this. But to know yourself well enough that you can, you know, um, know what works for you and what your preferences are. 
You know, if, if that, this sounds bad, but if the woman with the larger ass now feels comfortable with doggy and she doesn't care that she feels, as a matter of fact, it's sexy as hell and her partner feels like it's sexy as hell and she can relax, she might realize that doggy style helps her orgasm much easier than a different position. You know what I mean? And so like knowing what you prefer when you're not in your head, but what your body prefers is amazing. Um, so how do you go about that? I mean, I, I would guess that when you uh, counsel your, your clients, you find that many of them have other things they'd like to do within, within their sexual relationship, yeah. but they hold back. It may not always be just lack of self-esteem, but for other reasons instead. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in the mind yeah. of that person. Yeah. And you have to be able, as a counselor, mm -hmm. to dig deeply in into that, to figure out what's going on. Yeah. So uh, how do you extract how they're really feeling and yeah. what they're thinking about? Yeah, so that's a great question. Let me use the example of somebody who's newly single a gentleman that's newly single. He's been in a relationship for 20 some odd years. They divorced and now he's faced with having to go out into the world and have sex, which he's excited about because he hasn't been with anybody else for all those years. However, he also didn't, hasn't had to wear a condom for all of those years. And he's horribly uncomfortable about it and not sure about performance and all of that stuff. So I send him home, tell him to go get a box of condoms and masturbate with them on so that he gets the sense of putting it on, of arousal, of taking it off. And it doesn't feel so awkward when he's in that situation. But he comes back in and yet he still feels like there's pain and discomfort. As we really talk about what that pain and discomfort is, we start to realize that it's really about a loss, the loss of the relationship, the loss of how he thought his life was going to go, there's loss and bereavement. And so when we can look at that and we can work on the loss and the bereavement and the rejection or abandonment or whatever it is that's coming up for that person, then it makes way for, okay, now I know how to come with a condom on. I know how to put it on and take it off and I feel confident about that. I'm not going to put myself in that situation of not knowing how. So we, we kind of look at what's underneath that because it's not just the discomfort of going on a date and putting on a condom. Um, a lot of people with, with this sort of problem will never seek out a counselor mm -hmm. um, or any other way in which to help solve the problem. They just have figured out that in their live, lives, this is the way it's going to be. And it does, is that the beginning of the death of a relationship? Mm. That's a great question. Um, it can be, especially if the way that they're trying to figure it out is just completely on their own and the sources that they're getting their information from are toxic or unhealthy, or it's like getting bad business advice or business advice from your best friend who never has owned a business. Do you know what I mean? Like you getting advice from people or leaning on people who are not supportive of the relationship or upping the ante in the relationship can be the death of things, right? Because we are a, the sum of our parts, if, if that makes sense, you know? How, how far does this have to go before it reaches a point in which it can never uh, get better and, and the downward spiral will continue? Yeah, when people, I wanna say, you can't unring that bell. If you do something that leaves a mark on the relationship, 
those marks are, you, they're permanent. Do you know what I mean? It's not, not that we can't heal, like we heal when we have scars too, but they're scars. So if you're doing something that's going to put the relationship or your partner at risk, then there's no bouncing back. For instance, I had one couple many years ago, um, and he cheated, and he got, he got HIV, and he gave it to her. And that, to me, is, there's, that's a death sentence. At least it used to be. It's not so much anymore. But for her, it was because he never shared that with her, so she wasn't able to treat and get help and all of that stuff. So it's, it can be really, really scary. You know, having to tell your partner that you've exposed them to herpes, that's a hard one to get past. You have counseled couples of all ages. Mm -hmm. uh, which age groups are the most successful in overcoming this and which yeah. are the least? I think that older couples struggle with it because there's a sense of resignation a little bit. Like, ah, uh, we've been married all these years. At this age, it's not supposed to be like that. Uh, it, we have other things, you know, and that's true. Or why change now? Totally. Why change now? My back hurts. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, I don't know. And, and, I, and I understand that because the relationship does go to a very companionate kind of relationship as we get older. That's beautiful. But it's also a good hiding place for people. So they don't often say, you know what? I don't care what age we are. We're just going to get a higher bed so I can bend you over. You know what I mean? So that it doesn't hurt your hips so much. Do you know? I would say that the younger 30-somethings, they're fabulous. I've said this before. I'm so impressed with this age group because they're so smart and proactive. You know, they're not waiting till things are broken. If I had a dollar for every time couples came in because they wanted things, they're good and they want to be great, that like blows me away. It's not something I think that we did, you know? They don't seem to be bound by the same sort of social or sexual constraints that we of a older generation have lived with most of our lives. Yeah. Yeah, they they aren't. I mean, they're 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 even not buying homes and traveling or buying homes turning them into Airbnb whatever they're doing. They and that wasn't you know our our value was more like buy your home, own your home, have your job, you know. I mean, it was it's a very different it's a very different generation and I think it's I'm so impressed by it. Number four, yep. and the final uh, item on our episode, feeling comfortable and confident in your body. Yes. Um, do you ever get over that? Is it, <laughs> is it possible? I mean, yeah. you have to get to a point, let's say a guy is 100 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. It's not hard to do over time when you think about mm -hmm. it. And they develop big bellies, and it's never going to change. And... At that point, do they keep trying or do you find that they just shut themselves off from progressing any further in their relationship? Yeah, oftentimes they, they shut themselves off, you know, because that, that seems easier than losing 100 pounds. But it's really short-sighted, right? Because we are human beings. We need relationship. We, it gives us meaning, and so when you start to shut yourself off from relationships, you're really shutting yourself off from your own life. And yes, losing 100 pounds is not easy, but boy, it's more work to feel lonely and be depressed than it is to go for a walk every morning. Um, th th this is a, 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 a tough subject. 
obviously, and uh, I would think that a great number of couples at a certain age have this lack of self-esteem. Um, and you must have a whole litany of things that you've heard that your clients have talked about. What are the sexual esteem problems for both men and women? Yeah. What seem to be the most dominant? Yeah, the most dominant are, yes, body image. Next, I would say, are performance issues, like not knowing if you can perform. Well, let's go no. back to okay. body image for okay. a second and just talk about that. Um, what specifically are they having yeah. problems? We, you know, we talked about yeah. the big ass and the big belly yeah. and perhaps uh, an odor problem. Right. What else is out yeah. there in the uh, world of body problems? Oh, my goodness. It's like body problems. I don't, I don't, there are so many people that hate their feet. That's a weird one. I, I Really, it's like, so they want to have sex with the socks on. And just that is disturbing for me in my mind. Like, I just don't, you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to, if you're in the snow and you leave socks and a hat, might be cute. But just the socks, I don't know. So they're from, from breasts, they're too large, they're too small, they're too saggy. You know, for a man, even though my chest is caved in, I have man boobs. I don't like my belly button. My balls aren't even. And your balls, by the way, are never even. If they are, we have a whole problem. Then they're like click clacks. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a reason why they're not. But guys who don't know, they're, they can't ask their best friend like, hey man, do you have one testicle that's, you know, like girls would ask something like that. Um, for women, they don't like the way their labia looks or they have too much hair or they don't have enough hair or, you know, like it's, it's, it's an endless amount of, there's, there's, Hair where there shouldn't be hair. Like, I can't kiss his ears because there's hair in his ears. How do I tell him that? It's upsetting, right? I mean, just the visual of it is like, you know. Um, there's anal play and there's hair there too. I mean, there's... So every part of our bodies, people find something. Like, oh, my legs are too short, you know. So so body image for people is, is a huge one. Um, and... Most couples, you know, when they're starting to have these problems, probably have been together for a bit of time. Mm -hmm. And the changes that have occurred in, in with their bodies have happened gradually. Yes. And it's likely that their partner isn't really noticing as much as perhaps they think they are. Right. Uh, because it's it's just happened so slowly and over a long period of time. Yet I'm looking in the mirror and I'm seeing all sorts of problems <laughs> that that my partner may never have even oh, noticed yeah. or, or cared about. Oh yeah. So what, what's the diagnosis for for that person? What's the yeah. what's the treatment? The treatment. That's great. So I say, let's be honest about what it is, and then let's make it fun. So you know, I. I used to have this game actually with my ex-husband and it was more like okay we're gonna get he was very fit and we wanted to get into shape together so we would do a like a body fat competition and there was a big prize at the end we do some kind of a cash prize or you know like I wanted gifts he wanted that you know whatever it was and we would go and we would have our body fat measured and then it would begin and it would be very fun and very playful. Like, you know, we'd go to Starbucks and I'd get him a latte with whole milk because I wanted to win. I was very competitive. You know what I mean? Until all of a sudden he realized how creamy it was and whatever. So we would do all these different things, but it made it very fun and very playful. I do it with my kids too. We do, you know, the whoop strap, like, you know, the, it's like a Fitbit. And like over um, uh, COVID, we did a, um, competition and we had prizes for the laziest for the most active for the 
most, you know, the stress is the level of exercise. Like we had all these categories and all these prizes and we just made it really fun. So I think if you can make it playful and not intense where you're in the bathroom crying on the bathroom floor because you feel fat and don't want to go to the party, then it's so much more doable. If you have body image problems and uh, sexual uh, lack of sexual esteem and your partner isn't having a problem with it at all, mm-hmm. He obviously is a is a key factor in this. What can he do to ensure his partner or her yeah. partner that it, it I love you regardless, and mm-hmm. it, this really isn't a problem for me. Yeah, so that's a great approach. Being honest and saying, you know, reassuring. Everybody wants to be reassured, but oftentimes people get frustrated because they're like, I've told you a thousand times I love your ass. How many more times am I going to tell you I love your ass? You know what I mean? So the support then is like, then now you need to go and do some work for yourself because no amount of reassurance from me is going to tell you that you look great in those jeans. You have to feel like you look great in those jeans. So let me support you in going on Life Sauce and listening to a podcast, you know what I mean? Or going to a therapist or a coach or so not just being so frustrated that you're trying so hard to convince them, but reassuring is amazing. Yeah, it's difficult. So in conclusion... Dr. Wise, mm-hmm. what are uh, the best first steps for people with this problem? Yeah. And let's look at it two different ways. Again, not everybody can seek out a counselor like right. you to do that, and they're on their own out there in the wilderness. What should they be doing? Yeah, they should immediately turn on our podcast because we have a plethora of information that you know doesn't cost them a dime. If, different than if you're in my office, you know what I mean? So, and there are so many good podcasts. There's so many TED Talks and educational resources. So I would say, stop putting it off and go learn. Educate yourself, you know, start to dive in. I go balls to the wall here. If a couple is having problems with sexual self-esteem, but they find ways to improve their sex lives, Mm -hmm. the intensity of, of, of their sexual relationship, does that transcend all of the body image problems they may be having? Oh, it helps so much. Not only body image things, there's research that shows that you're better in your life. You're better at work, you're better with your kids, you're better at home, you're better to yourself. It is amazing. The ripple effect is profound, and that's research-based. That's just not me, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's real. If you're having great sex with somebody, you don't care how big the ass is. Totally. Totally. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Wise. Thank you. For more information or to submit a question, go to our website, lifesauce.com. That's life-sauce.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media. I'm Dr. Christy Wise. Thanks for joining us.